Welcome back to another episode of the Average Sports Guy Podcast. I'm your host as always, Christian Crittenden. On this week's show, we talk about the return of the Big Ten, who are the front runners in the conference so far after one week, preview the Michigan-Michigan State matchup. doesn't have a lot of juice this week, but we still get into it. Then we look at the biggest storylines from the NFL this week. Yeah, I'm right. Baker Mayfield, is he better without Odell Beckham Jr.? Marcus thinks so. What's up, everyone? We're back. It's coming uh, up. So without further ado, let's get it rolling. Got a lot to talk about today. It's been a crazy day. Long day, but we're here. Made it to another Friday. Marcus, how you doing? Oh, joining me now to talk about Marcus. Marcus, how you doing today? I'm good. How you doing, man? Good. Made it to another Friday. <laughs> Made it to another Friday. All right. Big news that just came out is, uh, not so long ago. Trevor Lawrence, quarterback of the Cleveland Tigers, came down with uh, COVID-19. So we will miss this week's game against Boston College. He is questionable for next week's matchup against Notre Dame. Uh, Trevor was one of the guys that was just really big on playing the season. Obviously, you know, it was a big risk if you came to play with. Um, Marcus, what, I guess, what is the impact this has? It's just coming out testing positive, I mean, at this point in the season. Well, you know, this is a, a huge, huge impact, um, especially since um, Clemson's uh, backup, um, I think his name was Bryce transferred this year. So I'm not, I think they got DJ that I, I can't pronounce his last name. They got a, a highly touted freshman yeah. that backs up Trevor Lawrence. And so it's going to be, um, it's going to be an adventure to see how this get, you know, how long he's out, um, you know, when, when he'll be able to come back. If he comes back, you know, um, is is definitely this whole season is definitely a trying a trying time for everyone. You know, a lot yeah. of people are going to be um a lot of people a lot of uh programs and a lot of uh players are gonna have to do their best to kinda like do a patchwork season, you know, mm-hmm. where are they gonna miss key elements at times and things like that. Um you know, so it's gonna be a trying time for for everyone, um, but I'll say this: if, if it's if it's to happen to a team, Clemson, I think, will ha- has enough firepower to get through uh, yeah. a, a time like this. Agree. Um, they say he has mild symptoms right now. Um, call me skeptical, skeptical, but there's no way he's gonna miss that Notre Dame game unless he's like on his deathbed. <laughs> he's not missing that game. So, uh, so I expect him to be back next week. Uh, in all honesty. So uh, we'll see how it comes back. I just, um, but we knew what the risk was coming back to the season. So there's a chance he can get it. And and to be honest with you, like he could have did everything right and still got it. So I don't, I don't know how we got it. I was no one will know. I'm sure they'll start contact tracing. So we'll see if this affects the quarterback room and if it'll ex- expect, you know, how how big the impact will be within the coming days if they'll have to cancel the game or not because you know too many guys have come down with COVID. Um, and that's the fallout too, you know. So uh, and then this early this week, he came out and said that there was a chance he could come back to school. Uh, I can't say I, if the Jets get the number one pick, I don't blame them. I might go back to school too, or just force my way out of playing for the Jets because we've seen what they've done in quarterbacks, what they did to Mark Sanchez, what they're currently doing to Sam Darnold. Like no matter how good you are, and not saying those guys are Trevor Lawrence, but the Jets don't set you up to succeed. They don't put weapons around you. Like they just hang you off the dry end. For a guy with this much talent, it'd be a shame to see him go there and his career go to waste. So, um, what did you think of his comments this week? Could you repeat the last part, Chris? I can, I can barely hear you. Oh, I'm just saying how uh, the Jets is not a place you really want to go if you want to have an NFL career. I mean, it's kind of where quarterbacks go to die. So, what did you think about his comments early in the week? Saying there's a chance he'd come out of school? You know, I just think that's just talk. Um, I definitely would. I definitely wouldn't be surprised if he's already connected to an agent right now that's kind of going to steer him where he where where they where they want him to go. Um, I wouldn't hurt myself by coming back to college and risking injury just mm-hmm. to avoid going to a certain team because we mm-hmm. have seen before, i.e., Eli Manning. Um, I think John Elway did this before. 
mm-hmm. where the team that was going to pick them number one, they was able to force their way out of there and go to another another franchise. And yeah. I think that Ter- Trevor Lawrence could definitely do that same situation if he really didn't want to go there to the Jets. I think it was just some, I think it was just some leverage type of thing. I working in the background uh, for some people probably told him to to say his comment about him potentially staying in school and coming back next year. This is the thing. This generation of athletes, they are definitely uh, have a different mindset than what was back 20, 30 years, you know, 30 years ago. He's yeah. not going to come back uh, to college to play for free. He's going to definitely try to monetize and, 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 and you know, and jump in and, 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 you know, just get away from that college lifestyle as far as just being a a, a non-paid amateur, so to speak. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's a great point. I would, first of all, if I was him, though, I would definitely first of all, we had to play for the Jets. If that's just where quarterback's career is going to die, you're not going to succeed there no matter how good you are. So it'd be it'd better off that, uh, you know, he just he'd kind of sit don't go to Jets and force the way out. And I, I wouldn't even blame him for uh, for doing it, um, honestly. So, uh, Big Ten returned last week. Ohio State got an impressive victory over Nebraska. And so did Michigan. Michigan got an impressive victory over Minnesota. Um, would you say those two are the top two teams in the Big Ten right now? Um, they, they, are, they are definitely one of the, the, they are, they, I would say right now, just based off what they've done in the last several years, I definitely have to say they are number one. Um, you know, Chris, you know, you know, you know my beef with the narrative, how they try to attack Michigan and within the big 10 is why do people think that Penn state is the second best team in the big 10? I mean, I guess just going off. History. I don't. I don't know. I don't know why people would say that. That is. Listen. That is a narrative that it really, to me, grew legs last year, and I'm looking at it like, huh? If you yeah, if you take a look back at Penn State, mm-hmm. they got. And let, let's just go back to 2016. Let's do mm-hmm. a quick retread and go back to 2016. Okay, they play. Michigan. No, they 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 got beat my they got stomped out by Michigan by forty points. I think that was about a forty point uh, loss. Then they they got beat by Pitt earlier in the year, so they had two they had two L's, and a lot of the talk was they was getting they were they were thinking about firing James Franklin. Mm-hmm. They they got a block kick return to propel them over Ohio State. Now I'm not trying to critique the win over Ohio State. You beat you mm-hmm. beat a juggernaut team like that. You get yeah. you don't gotta we don't have to critique you. But I'm just saying they 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 won it by the by the by the thinnest of of margin. Right. Okay. So they go. They win the Big Ten championship. Okay. Cool. Mm-hmm. But it's like that that one uh, game against Ohio State has done more for anybody in the history of college football because. The next year, y'all go, y'all lose to a average MSU team. Y'all, they let Ohio State come back and beat them uh, mm-hmm. when they was up by a decent amount at, at Ohio State. Then the next year, they lose to Ohio State. They lose to Michigan. They lose to Michigan State. They they originally lost to Michigan State team. That Michigan State team was horrible. And so, I'm looking at it like, okay, last then then you got last year. Um, they lose to Minnesota and they lose to Ohio State, but they 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 still lost to Michigan. If you if we being honest, and I'm just looking at it like, why are they brought up in the same breath as Ohio State? Like Ohio State, they earn they earn what they how they how they're um, picked as favorites every season. They earn that right. Yeah. But Penn State, y'all haven't done y'all y'all haven't done enough to be put in the same category or to content to be the unanimous number two out of the East. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I'm really like confused and don't get why do people keep hyping Penn State up? Yeah, I don't either. I don't know. Where, I, don't, I don't know where the hype came from. I mean, they won the Big Ten a couple of years ago. They went to Indy. It's media. It's, it's a media driven, it's a media driven uh, subject because I don't see, I don't see them 
like, it's crazy how that 2016 Michigan Ohio State game, because if we just convert that, I'm thinking, do we get that same type of love? You know, if we if we if we stop them from winning one yard and win that game, do we get that kind of love Penn State get? Michigan State beat Penn Michigan State this last decade. They beat Ohio State three times. They beat them twice with Urban Meyer, and they never got the type of love that Penn State got for doing that. That's very true. That's a good point. Um, yeah, I don't – yeah, I mean, it, it is something that people continue to keep up. I just think that James Franklin has obviously got a benefit of the Dodgers and coach. And Michigan hasn't – I'm not saying Michigan should get another team, but, I mean, no one talks about Michigan like that because Michigan hasn't done what they're supposed to do. And that's probably why Penn State gets that because they've done it. They've seen – people have seen Penn State do it under James Franklin. He recruits at a pretty decent level. And I think they still, you know, love Saquon Barkley. He hasn't been there in three years, but – uh, what he did for that program and taking it where it was with then Trace McSorley the next year. I just think that they've always been a, a solid Big Ten team, like a decent one, nine, ten wins every year. And I think that's why they always get that that rep as the number two team in the Big Ten. I guess so, man. So anyway, um, so Michigan beat Indiana, not Indiana, beat Minnesota last week uh, pretty handily. They beat him pretty handily. And uh, obviously, I'm going to say this as a caveat. Minnesota is missing some starters. So, put that out there. They're missing, like, part of their O-line. They're missing their punter and kicker. They're also missing uh, the line, middle linebacker. But Michigan still went out and did what they were supposed to do. And uh, and they're oftentimes Michigan doesn't win games like that. So, props to that. Bill Milton had his first career game. And I think he, I think he performed pretty well under the circumstances. Obviously, first career start on the road. Against the ranked opponent, so Milton on the day was fifteen and twenty-two for two twenty-five and uh, one touchdown. Michigan ran the ball effectively though; they had four backs, eight carries. So Sai Haskins was six carries, eight yards. Zach Charbonnet four carries, seventy yards. Most of them came on one, one run though. Um, then you got Blake Corum five carries, twenty-four yards, and then Chris Evans had five carries, nineteen yards, and a touchdown. Haskins. Had two touchdowns, Charlotte had a touchdown, and then on the first play of the game, you saw Blake Crum get a touch. So they you saw Michigan spread the ball around to all their weapons, you know. Um it was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine guys caught passes from Joe Milton on the day. So offensively, you know, a very impressive day for Michigan. I think this is what everyone envisioned with the speed of space markets when uh, Josh Gaddis said he was coming to Michigan. Yeah, my phone. My, I apologize. My phone was, was going out. Listen, oh. Chris, you know, and I, I'm trying to keep myself in check because I know that it was the first game of the season. And, um, you know, and I, Minnesota is the average Big Ten team. I know they had 11 wins last year. They beat Auburn. And they, that was a solid year, but this is a complete, almost a completely different team this year, I would say. And also, um, like I say, it was the beginning of the season, and they had some COVID out, outages and things of that nature. But it's hard not to get excited about what you saw with Joe Milton. Um, just the whole the whole offense, like, I didn't see it last year. And I think sometimes as fans, media, and things like that, we get caught up in what in, – in, in, what could, and what could be that we don't pay attention to what is. Mm-hmm. And obviously last year they did a good job of keeping a lot of things in the house because we didn't know there was a lot of um, issues going on, egos and things of that nature. But I think one reason why Josh Gaddis wasn't really, I guess, tripping that Nico Collins had opted out of playing this season it's because he knew we had. He knew he knew what all the guys that he had as far as his receiving core that they that they 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 all had buy in. And I think um, I had saw a, a, a post from a guy that I follow on Twitter, and he was saying that after 2017, that Harbaugh was really like 
focusing in on guys that want to be here instead of guys that we, we recruit here. It's a difference. You can get recruited somewhere, you can go there, but you have other arterial motives while you're there. And mm-hmm. I think Michigan is at a point now, they don't care what star you are, they're going to evaluate you, and they're going to go from based off of that. But ultimately, they, they want guys who want to be here and want to ball out at Michigan, go through the process at Michigan. And what I'm what I'm basically saying is a few guys that's not that's no longer here, they were me first guys instead of team first guys. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it, it definitely reared his, his ugly head in the Ohio State game because one of our receivers, um, we was down by a significant amount. He caught a pass and he didn't even try to fight for the first down. He kinda just like, Yeah, whatever. And I think I think for me that's when I first got in any kind of like you know, uh, uh, any any knowledge of any risk going on in the team or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think now that he has a team full of me, Michigan first guys, that we seeing that this is what it looks like with that offense. You know what I'm saying? It's a combination. And then another thing that we seeing that I didn't see, like Joe Milton. Like Joe Milton, they 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 not only did they take care of him as far as the the, the plays they put him in. And positions they put him in, but him just being a quarterback, he just brought a sense of calm. I definitely he it, for me I felt that he brought a sense of calm. By this being his first start and it's national television, and I get it, he doesn't have fans, that, you know, on the at the game that's you know yelling and creating a a very um, difficult atmosphere. He's still, it's your, still your first start. It's still, you know, on the road. So that has to come for something. Mm-hmm. And Joe Milton, like, it's not the over, he, the game, his 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 stats and the game that he had wasn't the thing that did it for me. It was just how his command of the game. He felt, he felt the whole game, Chris. Even when he got that sack on the first series, he just felt in command of the whole game. Like, his finger was on it. Like, things that we saw other QBs do to us, I felt mm. he did it to Minnesota, which was a refreshing. And it was just good to see a competent quarterback that can make all the throws, that had, that, 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 that had all the confidence you need, and things like that. And I know I was halfway joking in the, in the you know, before the season started, but that's why, you know, I was very big on Joe Milton just because I said, if he can't do it, then I don't know we won't ever get that quarterback that's going to be able to take us to the next level. Mm-hmm. And I know he has some accuracy issues stemming from high school early on in his collegiate career, but I'm really hoping that this guy is, is it for us to take us to places we haven't been in a long time. Yeah, I agree. Um, it was it was calming for sure, but it – I mean, there, there, is, there was no crowd, so obviously it's a bit different when you don't face a crowd and, you know, there isn't that there. But it was it was just good to see a guy, like you said, calm, collected, make the plays he needed to make. And obviously they'll get a bigger test at some point in the season, and we'll see how, how he handles it then. But this year from Joe Milton, I'm just looking just to, to know. Obviously you want to win this year, right? Like any chance you get to win, you want to win. But – and more than anything, I just want to see like, all right, twenty twenty one, we go on, we got a we got a returning starter that's gonna be good. He's gonna improve and get to the next level. Like when Shea Patterson returned after his, after his year, like he there was no getting better. He was just kind of the same guy. Like we want to see even when Spate was in twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen, Spate was just a guy. Like he wasn't didn't really get better, you know. Or he he had a ceiling basically. Joe Milton's ceiling is higher than those guys. And that's that's exciting. And that's what I'm looking forward to this year. So I mean, they got Michigan State this week. And Michigan State is, is bad. They lost the records last week. So Mel Tucker's gun was behind the eight ball and getting started at Michigan State. This D'Antonio left so late. So I mean, Mel Tucker wasn't gonna have much to do this year. So Michigan's like a 24 point favorite. So I mean, Rocky Lombardi is that quarterback. People keep saying he's better than he was before. I don't know if they're making seen. We see a lot of Collins plays a week at running back. That'll cut them a little bit, but their line is going to struggle. Energy line is probably going to struggle, honestly. Against Michigan this week, uh, 
What you looking forward to in that game? This like to not even be um, funny. I I'm looking for Michigan to officially welcome uh, Mel Tucker as the head coach of Michigan State into this rivalry. Um, on paper, you would look at it like seeing, especially seeing what happened last week. You would you would definitely feel like Michigan has, you know, the edge in everything in every category. Mm-hmm. But Michigan State, not just with D'Antonio, because D'Antonio was an expert at making it happen. Mm-hmm. Not just with D'Antonio, but with a lot of other different um, coaches that Michigan State has had, they always find a way in the in 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 the, um, to basically upset Michigan. You know, they do they do it several times a decade. They do it under you know when they shouldn't have no way of winning. They find a way to put it together, and that's why I want I don't want Michigan to come in that game relaxed and think that they that Michigan State is just a wounded animal. Because that's when a lot of animals are very dangerous when they're wounded mm-hmm. and they're back against the wall. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't, I, I definitely want the respect that Michigan, that Michigan star playing, finally start playing Michigan State the last two seasons. I want mm-hmm. them to keep that same focus, that same energy to continue with Michigan State. That's that's the way they're going to have to approach Michigan State every year is with that same focus, that same tenacity. Because anything lower than that will give Michigan State the, the advantage to do what they have done in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, what I will say is, I don't think Michigan State is as bad as they try that they as they as they as everyone thinks. Since Saturday, they just had a game where they fumbled and turned it over a lot, which happens. It can happen, and so mm-hmm. I've never seen Michigan do that, but it it can happen, mm-hmm. and so. You know, I just I just kind of want them to be focused, go in and handle their business. Do not take Michigan State lightly, because they are very dangerous when they are taken lightly. That's true. You are. They are very dangerous. I don't think. I think not having D'Antonio is really a difference maker. Though, if they had D'Antonio, not saying they they still can't win, but like not having D'Antonio makes a huge difference on that sideline. Um, he was the guy that when they were always down, he can rally the troops, he can get them ready to go, make them angry, the disrespect thing. He, he was he was a master at that. And we'll see what Mel Tucker can come up with. But I think in order for Mel Tucker to really get it, he gotta get in the rivalry first. And there are guys that are on the team that can help, but D'Antonio was just so good at that stuff. And not having him on that sideline it is gonna be a difference. Now I'm not I'm not gonna take them lightly because I still want Michigan to beat them, but still and not having him there hurts, man. And I think when Mel Tucker gets gets to this season, and like he wanted to get the see for real, honestly, because he won't get the crowd, he won't get everything involved in it. So he get a little taste of it. But that's something like until you fully immerse in it, until you see it, that's something that you don't really understand, just how much you know these two teams hate each other. But I mean, Michigan State may not be as bad as they are. I mean, they they haven't been in the practice, so they'll be in the practice this week. A little bit more and, and fix the turnovers, and they're gonna come ready to fight. No doubt about it. They're not just gonna lay down, no matter how good or bad they are. They're not gonna lay down and just let Michigan win. So, Michigan gonna have to work for it, for sure. Definitely gonna work for it. All right, Indiana got a big win against Penn State last week. Marcus, is this final year? Quarterback Michael Penix Jr. The Indiana stops. They they finish games. They finish one this week. This this the week they finish games and they they make it happen. This year, when you say make it happen, what what are exactly are you talking about? What are you referring to? You know how Indiana's always in games; they never really finish them. Well, well, obviously, next step, and they get that better than they normally are. Well, well, obviously, they um, you know, obviously they they did it with with um with Penn State. And so you have to you have to start there and say, yeah, well they 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 were able to do, you know, finish that that one off. But it just speaks to it just I think it speaks to more of what I was saying earlier where I think 
Penn State is just so overrated, man. Like, you know, I, I really, I really do. I, I really do think it speaks more to that than anything. Um, uh, Indiana has get, given everyone a scare. They gave, they've given us, they've given Michigan State, they've given Ohio State. They obviously they beat Penn State, and so they are just a tough, really. Uh, team, I think then uh, Allen, their coach, he's he's definitely um, shown himself to be a very, very um, inspiring and decent coach for them. So I, I definitely want to you know give them their uh, their credit and things of that nature. But I, I don't I don't think that game that they played Saturday would beat Michigan. I don't think that game that they played would be, definitely wouldn't beat Ohio State. And so I'm waiting I'm waiting to see more. Before I get on board with them on that level, so I guess we would have to see um, going forward if they can, you know, build from that uh, game they had Saturday. All right, all right. Um, I understand that. Yeah, but I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't a pretty game. And honestly, he was short. But he he didn't even score in that play. I mean, they gave him a touchdown. But if you look, the ball was out of bounds. So the referees just really messed that one up. And what was Penn State doing? Just take a knee and the game is over. They Penn State scored the back scores a touchdown and then Indiana comes out and scores. No, take a knee, the game is over. Just don't score. Mm-hmm. So yeah. But yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, that that right. just that just goes to speak. That just goes to speak that their whole program is just overrated. And I I really, really, really wish that um, Michigan to get to the level of Ohio State just being a juggernaut because if both of the juggernauts was running through you, that's the best way to get a get a get a coach fired. And I'm not asking for James Franklin to be fired. What I'm saying is, I want more attention to focus on them. Got this. This is the thing right now in the Big Ten. We have a unanimous leader every year. With the, we should have a, we have we should have a unanimous leader every year in the West. Wisconsin, we should have a unanimous leader in the, in the East, Ohio State. But that second one can be a revolving door. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want it because it's like if you're trying to put Penn State as that next one, like Herb Meyer says it, he says it every year. Well, not every year, but the last two years, Penn State, he he doesn't count Michigan as being Ohio State's biggest competition. He counts Penn State, and he just he that's really a dig at Michigan more than, more so than anything. He knows Penn State can't hang with Ohio State. He he knows on a consistent level they can't do it. If Michigan if Michigan plays zone defense, maybe so. But you know, we he knows we don't, so he knows it's it's a little easier for their offense to beat our you know their offense to beat our defense. But Penn State is nowhere near what Ohio State is. You know, for them to be um, mentioned and brought up in the same breath as them. Yeah, no, agree. I mean, Ohio State is not a Penn. Penn State is not Ohio State, level, obviously. Not even close. All right. Um, and then this week, Wisconsin, their game is canceled. Their quarterback, Graham Mertz, after having a huge day against Illinois last week, is out with COVID, and the game is canceled against Nebraska. And Nebraska tried to schedule a game, by the way. So, I don't know. Nebraska got a lot going on. But regardless, uh, did the Big Ten get it wrong returning and then with their guidelines? Not – Leaving any room for any games to be rescheduled. Hello, I, c- I couldn't hear you for the last second, Chris. I was saying, uh, did the Big Ten get it wrong by not leaving any room to, for games to be rescheduled at all? Um, I think I think that the Big Ten did the best they could do with what they had. I think. Um, I think they they are they err on the side of, of caution with the whole rollout with everything and trying to navigate because this is uncharted territory. They don't have a a script to look at how do you handle uh, football scheduling in the midst of a pandemic. Right. And so, you know, from that point, I get them I get them a little you know leeway and stuff like that. But you would like. For them to have started in September and they be able to have bye weeks and stuff like that, but you know 
I think when they when the when the presidents and everybody got together to say we can have a Big Ten season and stuff like that, I think mm-hmm. they was looking at it like you know if everybody sticks to this guideline, then we'll be okay. You know we can get the eight weeks in and you know have a an eight to nine game schedule. Yeah. Eight, yeah, eight to nine week schedule, and you know that'd be that'd suffice for our conference for this year. But I did hear. I don't know how true it is, but I heard that some players at Wisconsin was in a wedding, and that's where they that's where the whole um, yeah. the the whole spread started when they was at the uh, wedding and stuff. And so oh, if that was if if that was true, then that's that's not abiding by all the guidelines because that's we know that weddings could be at this point a super spreader event. Yeah. And so, you know, that's that just goes to show you that that's not really the Big Ten's fault. The Big Ten set precedent to what needs to be done, and mm-hmm. it's up to the individual schools and their, you know, students to abide by those rules that they set forth. Yeah, it is. You're right. It is 100%. If they didn't do it, then that's, that's definitely on them. So now we'll see, I mean, the, the after effects. Michigan plays them in a couple weeks. They have a game next week as well. That is in question right now because they have some weak guy with like twelve guys are tested positive, so so they can uh, be able to keep that game going next week. All right, any other college you want to hit today? Huh? Any other co- college topics you want to hit today? Um, if Penn State would have won, that would have been a, that would have been a nice topic to get into, but they didn't, so no one cares. <laughs> All right, Wisconsin got Purdue next week, and then Michigan will be after. We'll see how that plays out. Our right, over to the NFL. Last week, the Seahawks lost in overtime, 37-34, to the Arizona Cardinals. Russell Wilson played at a pedestrian level. He threw three interceptions in the game, and the Cardinals were able to take advantage of overtime. Uh, Russell, threw, they, I guess, kind of a, they were driving, threw an interception on third down, which gave Arizona a chance to take a field goal after they missed a field goal in you know, earlier in overtime. So that's what, do you think that uh, the Seahawks show just how vulnerable they are to the rest of the league that? You know, I watched that game, especially the second half, and I I didn't think it, 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 did, it did show you how Russell Wilson-centric they are, where mm-hmm. he has to, like, consistently do and have amazing games and have Throw the ball amazingly for them to for them to uh, continuously come come in. Uh, you know, have, be within the, be within the scoring range of that game and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so, I like I like Seattle, and I do I do wish they had. Um, I do I do wish they had to. It wasn't so Russell Wilson centric. And stuff like that. So I, I'm not going to agree with that notion, but I will say that he has a lot on his shoulders. Like if he doesn't perform daily, uh, you know, Sunday each each week, man, they're not going to be as successful as they would like. No, he, he won't be. Uh, he won't be. They won't because their defense is bad. And they just added Carlos Dunlap to uh, add to the pass rush, but the defense is, is horrific. And like I said, I, I don't think they're going to do anything. Um, but I mean, just because it's the unit is so so bad that they just, I mean, they can't succeed that way, man. They just they just aren't gonna win much of that defense. So leaky. So if Russell Wilson don't play at a high level every week, they don't have they have no chance. They literally have no shot mm-hmm. unless he plays at extremely high level every week, and that's not good. You know, you I mean, some weeks you you know your quarterback ain't gonna, ain't gonna be a carry. You know, you're gonna need your defense, and they don't have that luxury to rely on the defense. So. Um, might be tough sledding for the Seahawks coming to play off of time. Uh, all right, so Baker Mayfield struggled early last week, but he, he re, 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 sorry. He struggled early through interception on his first pass, which led to OBJ turns ACL trying to make the tackle. But regardless, Baker came back to throw five touchdowns in the game. Now, do you think that since OBJ is out, it'll help Baker and he won't? be forced to throw it to Russell so much. I don't personally think so. I don't I just don't think Baker's that good. And I don't think you can blame OBJ if you're trying to force the OBJ like oh he's not getting better. 
you, you take away a weapon, like, he's just not – I just don't think Baker's good. I don't even think he has a good deal with OBJ. What do you think? Well, actually, it, I, I'll say this. Um, I actually like that narrative that I think he will be better without OBJ. I mean, it's hard to say that when you got a talent like OBJ that a quarterback wouldn't need that. He definitely would. But I think when a young quarterback, um, somebody which which Baker which Baker Mayfield is, mm-hmm. I think that when you have a a, a a character, a personality like OBJ, they can be kind of you know put pressure on you as far as making making you think that you have to feature them a lot. They mean they need ten to twelve targets a game, which sometimes can stunt your growth and things like that. It definitely I think with him not being there, it's gonna force him to read the field better and become a better overall quarterback. So I do like the narrative that you are bringing up right now, Chris, of that OBJ might be um not not having him might force him into bringing his game up another level. It will. I mean, he doesn't have a choice. I just don't. I just. I just don't think he's good. So I don't think. Um, I don't think that. Uh, that I don't. I, I can't say that OBJ is the reason why they. He wasn't playing. I just don't think Baker's any good. Mm-hmm. But I didn't say that's kind of not fair to blame OBJ. Like, oh, OBJ was the reason he's playing bad. No, if he was better, he wouldn't play so bad. But. No, I mean, now he doesn't have a choice. Now that that narrative comes up, like, he literally won't have a choice but to play better and not play on the Jay. All right, Marcus, and last team for this week, the Lions got outlined last week. They, I was at the game here. They played the Atlanta Falcons. I was at the game, covered the game. The Falcons were up late in the game. It was, the Lions had missed a field goal, but then they had made one to make it 16-14. Yeah, 16-14. Uh... And then the Falcons were dry. They literally had the ball in the red zone. All Todd really had to do was get a first down and take a knee. He actually came out, and they told him to take, get the first down and take a knee. He did not. He went into the end zone to score, giving the Lions a chance to get the ball again. They went down and scored a game-winning touchdown as time expired, bringing the, the three and three, and now all the slappies in Detroit are going crazy about Matt Patricia and Bob, whatever. That's a whole different story. But Marcus. Have you ever seen the Lions get outlined before? Because I this was just, this was like epic Lions right here in the Falcons pool. You know, Chris, I'm pretty sure that I have seen somebody outlined the, the Lions before. I can't I can't um I can't uh put bring it up by by you know of my memory off rip, but I'm pretty sure if I look back at some of the, the Lions games, I can figure out a couple that were like that. The funny thing is, you know, I'm not a Lions fan, but I didn't watch the game either. I did watch some of the highlights and stuff, and I did hear about how Ty Gurley. Basically, he did what he did what uh, Penn State did against Indiana. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Basically, you know, he could have just ran time out, ran it down, but he scored. So, you know, they 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 are by nature. They are they they. They whenever they get a chance to score and get a touchdown and stuff like that, they just by nature are, are used to doing that. So mm-hmm. I can kind of see how they can make that mistake here and there. But mm-hmm. I mean, it, it happens, and and and, and it's funny because now the Lions they are they cheering like they first in the division or they you know clinched the home playoff game. It just shows you it was a battle of two bad teams and totally stuff right. like that. One of them had to win, so. That's all I could think. Take out of that situation. It really is, man. No, that 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 really that's that's true, one hundred percent. Like that's bad on two bad teams, and the worst team that the, the worst of two teams uh, won, like lost. The Lions are mediocre. Like they didn't play well in the game, and then people are talking about, "Well, oh, y'all need to get Stafford credit. Credit for what? Like, yeah, he made the drive, but." They were in that situation because of how bad they played the rest of the game. So mm-hmm. why am I giving them credit for this awful performance? Like, it, I mean, it was average, average performance at best. And he, he put up 300 some yards, but that's what he does. Stat Patrick puts up all the yards and it doesn't really, you know, doesn't really amount to much. So 
I just think that now the Lions are stuck with Patricia and Quinn for another year. I hate to say it, but it's trending that way. They got some of the other bad teams up on the roster on on the schedule that they may not lose and like might be stuck with these guys for another year. What do you think? Do they coming back? You talking about um, Patricia? Yeah. Yeah, I th- I've been reading, listening to the radio, and they they was laying out what I, the path they think that's going to happen for them to come back. So I can see I can see them coming back for another year. Mm. Now, it, now, if you ask me, should they? Two different no. questions. Right. But um, you know, they definitely probably come back another year. Yeah, I think they'll be back. I don't think they should. You're right, but I, I think they will. Um, then they will they will come back another year. All right, any other league top twenty? Um, I don't think so. All right, let's get to the picks, then we'll be done. All right, first up, we got number five, Georgia, seventeen and a half point favorite. They travel to Lexington to take on the Cats and the Kentucky Wildcats. Who you got, Marcus? Um, give me, give me, give me, give me Georgia. Yeah, I'm going to go Georgia as well. I think they bounce back after the bye week and a rough loss against Alabama. They want to get, get right. The mailman sets a minute. We'll rebound this game and uh, have a pretty good performance. All right, game number two, we got number four, Notre Dame, 20-point favorite. They shot with the flats. Bobby Dodd Stadium take on the Tech. I'll be at this game. Marcus, who you got? Uh, Notre Dame. Notre Dame, yeah, I'm going to go Notre Dame as well. I, I like what Jeff Collins is doing, but they got a, young, a lot of young guys, and they're just taking a minute for it to – Come together. All right, number 20, Coastal Carolina, ranked team, travels to Central Park Stadium in Atlanta to take off, face off against Georgia State. Panthers, Marcus, you got in this one. Coastal Carolina. Man, it's the second week in a row. You just suspected it's not picking us, Marcus. <laughs> oh, man. With, did, y'all win, did y'all win last week? We did. We won last week. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, give me Coastal Carolina. So there's a thing that came out today. There's a curse of ranked teams playing on ranked Sunbelt teams playing on Halloween, and none of them have won. Mm-hmm. Not because of that, but give me, I'm right. Give me Georgia State. They're going to win that one. Quad Browns are playing really well. The offense is firing on all cylinders, so I'm going with the Panthers in that one. All right. Game number four, we got number three, Ohio State Buckeyes at 12 point favorite. Each other was Happy Valley to face off against Marcus's. Penn State, Nitty Lions, you got? Let me let me get Penn. I mean, let me get Ohio State big. How big are you talking? Twenty points, thirty points. I'm talking thirty points because let me tell you this: Penn State do not. They will not have the whiteout. They will not have the whiteout. And if you look at it, um, I think I think that Justin Fields. It's going to be comfortable not having that whiteout mm-hmm. and things of that nature. I, I think I think Ohio State is going to wax them boys. Yeah, I agree. I, uh, yeah, the whiteout makes a huge difference. That that that's a scary place. But at night, all the white shirts on top of you, yeah, it's a big difference, you know. So yeah, I agree. Give me Ohio State as well. Our last college game of the week: Michigan State Spartan Sparty. Mel Turkey's his first taste of the rivalry travels to Ann Arbor to face off against the Wolverines. Michigan is a 24 and a half favorite. That's a big script. Marcus, who you got? I got Michigan, but I don't think they cover. Yeah, I'm thinking the same. I don't know, man. I, I, that's a lot of points for a rivalry game. Like, even Michigan State's bad. With 24 for rivalry, that's a lot of points. So I'm, I'm going to go with Michigan State to cover as well. Over to the NFL. Got the San Francisco 49ers who seem to be getting healthy. They, well, they are getting healthy. They're getting back right. Travis to Seattle to face off against the Seahawks. They have Seahawks have three point pepper markets. So you got Seattle. Well, San Francisco, I think they're getting healthy. Seattle's coming off a loss, right? Taking another fall this week. San Fran's, this is their uh, another one of the get right games here. And that Jimmy G should have a really good day against that bad Seattle defense. So I'll go with the Niners. And number two, we got the New Orleans Saints, four and a half point favorite travel to Chicago to face off against Nick Foles and the Bears. Marcus, who you got? Uh, I'm take Chicago. I don't think Drew Brees can throw the ball, but I don't like Nick Foles either. I don't. I just don't think he's very good. So for that reason, I'm going New Orleans. Hopefully, I don't know if Michael Tom, Michael Thomas will ever return, but 
They'll need them if they do. All right, game number three, we got this, this is probably game of the week. Pittsburgh Steelers undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers. Child of Baltimore face off against the Ravens. Ravens are four point favorite. Marcus, where are you going now? Baltimore. I'm in agreement to that with Baltimore. I do like Pittsburgh, but I think they this is the week they need their match. Baltimore had a stinker against the Kansas City last time they were in a really big game. This is their, another big spot for them. They want to kind of show that they they're not frauds and they're Super Bowl contenders. And we'll see if Yannick Ngakwe plays this week too. So that's going from as well. All right, Los Angeles Rams. Uh, they're three and a half in favor to travel to Miami to face off against the Dolphins. Tua, talk about Tua makes his debut in this week's matchup. Marks, where are you going? This is the Los Angeles Chargers or the Rams? Rams. Uh, I think I think Miami. Miami. Wow. Okay. Uh, two against his debut, but the Rams defense has been pretty solid so far. So I'm gonna pick the Rams to roll. Excuse me. And this, one. and then lastly, we have the Indianapolis Colts Travis Detroit face off against the Lions. Colts are three point favorite. Marcus, where you going? As bad as I want to go against uh, the uh, the Lions, I'm gonna take the Lions in this one, and I'm and I'm basing that off of Phil Rivers. I don't think Phil Rivers has anything left. No, I don't think he had no love either, but they have a pretty good run game, and they have pretty good defense as well. And I really hope the Lions don't win, because then, like, that's more false hope these people have. And then, like, you know, then Quinn and Patricia really come back, and then that's just – that's not good. That's not good for anybody involved. So, like, the Lions need to lose here from here on out, but I know just because I picked them, they're going to win. So, that's how they do it. Mm-hmm. All right, that's it. Good for this week. Yeah, I did. You know, I had a um, I had a question. This this just came up recently. What do you think about AJ Hinch possibly becoming the Lions' head coach? They said he's a leading candidate right now. Oh, Tigers, Tigers, uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it was good. I don't, I don't think it's a bad manager. I mean, they're obviously, I mean, that team's obviously extremely talented. So. You got to take that with a grain of salt too. So he may not be as great as he sounds, but you know, um, I, I don't know. So it's, it's a it's a start. I mean, but they still got to get some more talent in that organization. That's the biggest thing. What do you think? Mm-hmm. What do you think about it? Um, uh, you know, I think that AJ Hint, Alice Cora. Guys like that should be. Think I don't know what to think about those guys. I mean, you want you want the guys that you want the old school guys baseball. You want them guys. No, but you know, I I actually like uh, Garden Hire. I just wish we had a better team for him to manage. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, I actually like. I actually would have wanted want to see them go with uh, Lloyd McClendon. Um, just as you know, just for a couple years, see how he. See how he relates to the team, you know. Uh, he's the last piece to the. He's the last. Uh, I think, yeah, I think Lloyd is, is one of the last remaining pieces from. Uh, from uh, what's the what was our former manager name? The, uh, oh, the guy who went to the World Series with. Leland. Hmm. Jim Leland. Yeah, he was one of the last remaining pieces from Jim Leland era. So I would like to see him. I would like to see him. You know, stay on board, but I know how they feel about you know certain coaches and stuff. So yeah, no, there goes. And what you think of um, what you think of Justin Turner going on the field after he had to come out the field COVID going back? Uh, that you no, know, that's that certain type of privilege we be talking about because he he was actually they was telling him he needs to like you know put on the mask and do this and do that, and he was telling them no. So I think he should be. Fine heavily for that. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, he definitely flexed his white privilege that we got him to say. He definitely did. If like Masai Jerry couldn't even get on the on the court after his team was winning the championship. And now Justin Frank, Justin Turner, after he has has a virus that and like Dave Roberts has cancer, so you know, he's kinda at risk. He's putting other people at risk and now he's out on the field and mm-hmm. he's ready to go. Like that's not okay at all. No. But yeah, he definitely 
definitely use his privilege in that week and uh down the field. Far past security, I I know I damn sure can't fight. If a security guard tell me to go somewhere, I better listen. I damn sure can't fight past that. I don't give a damn who I am or how much man <laughs> I am trying to do it. You know that. Definitely. All right, somebody had a, a question too. Uh, shout out to, I guess the name is Austin Drake from Eastside. <laughs> His question was pretty much like, what should teams do when uh, players pretty much say they don't want to go to a team? But the team drafts them and the guy kind of just sucks and doesn't want to be there, doesn't get a full effort. Like, what, what should, how should teams handle that situation? Should they be able to, you know, in the year from now, move on from him instead of being locked into those contracts. Like, how should those teams, how should teams remedy that situation? Um, well, we've seen this happen before. If I'm a team because of my ego and my type of personality, if I try to draft a player and he doesn't want to be there, I'll just say skip it. And, it's, you know, I'm cool with you. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't, I wouldn't, I don't know the real answer to that question because I interject my own personal feelings and thoughts in that situation. It's definitely a tough question to answer. Um, if a guy doesn't want to um, play, what you going to do? Force him to play? I just wouldn't draft him. Like, if a guy telling me he don't want me in, in a pre-draft, I wouldn't draft him. But I mean, that, but that, that, too, like, that hurts your team in the future, too, because like, you got to get talented guys in, on your team. And if this guy's too talented and not going to come play for you, then it kind of puts you behind the eight ball. Mm-hmm. So, it's a tough question. All right, everyone, that's going to just about do it for this week's show. Make sure you subscribe wherever you hear listen to your podcast at, at Average Sports Guy on all platforms, Apple, Spotify, or SoundCloud, Average Sports Guy. Once again, Average Sports Guy, no spaces, all lowercase letters. Make sure you subscribe there. You'll get all the latest episodes and all the latest news from us. So for Marcus, I'm Chris. Thanks for listening.